Nerds Hub because real news is too scary. I'm board game collector Anand Hira. I'm anime enthusiast and uh, general interested party Claudia Sykes. I'm Finn Hogan and I play far too many video games. Well, uh, welcome to episode two of Nerds Hub. We have not been pulled off the air yet, so let's see if we can break that record this time. We'll get into what we all thought about last week's homework soon. But first, uh, what interests us most in the news this week, Finn? Uh, well, I think the big news this week, or at least for me, was I got to play Red Dead Redemption 2, finally. Biggest game in the world right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, unsurprisingly, it's very good. I don't think Rockstar really know how to make a bad game. It's incredibly polished. It's incredibly immense. Uh, there's there's almost too much to do. Like, it's one of those games that's so vast and gives you so much opportunity that you kind of just paralyzed by possibility when you boot it up. Like, I find it a little bit difficult to get into almost because I'm just like inundated by my choices. Uh, and like, it, it's, it's a weird one for me. Like, it's got such a meticulous attention to detail that it almost shoots itself in the foot. Like, there are things like uh, when you whistle your horse. You know, there's an established thing when you're in an open world game like this. You whistle for a horse and the horse just like spawns behind you or it just like appears randomly next to you just for convenience. But in Red Dead, they're like, no, let's make this realistic. So if your horse is too far away from you, it can't hear you whistle. You have to be with a certain distance of your horse and when you whistle, it will come to you in real time. And I'm like, gang, that's cool, but I don't need that level of realism. Like, and your, your horse has saddlebags and you go to the saddlebags to get your weapons. You don't just have like an infinite weapon wheel and things like that which i get and do add a certain level of immersion to the world but at the same time i'm like i'm willing to have magic fantasy pants that just have all of my things in them just for convenience's sake sounds like it is almost like you're saying far too designed too realistic too dense that um it's actually not fun to play so is it, is it actually fun to play oh no it's it's inarguably fun to play like i think that the, the the important thing here is like you, you hold rockstar games to a different standard because they are as you know as silly as the term sounds genre defining they are like they are genre defining games and so you do go through them with a fine-tooth comb that you might not have for other open world experiences so if this was released by any other studio people's heads would be exploding but it is a very fun game but there are faults with it do you reckon it was overhyped? Because all I've seen in the last week is like banner ads on sides of buildings and like all over my news feeds. It's just been Red Dead Redemption. You know, do you reckon it's been overhyped? I mean, I think there is a problem with hype culture in gaming generally. And I think hype culture, but it, hype culture is endemic of the, the, biz, the, the, the cynical business side of games and games that cost this much money have to make a certain amount of money back. And so, yeah, in that sense, I think it has been overhyped because it's been forced down everyone's throats because they have to sell millions of copies to keep their shareholders happy. Like, so, yeah, I mean, uh, was Red Dead overhyped specifically? Probably, but I think the hype culture in games is just bad overall. The first Red Dead, which I did have, was incredibly easy to start and play, and it didn't have much of that survival mechanic to it when you were playing it. So it seems really strange that they decided to take that direction with it. I, I can totally understand Especially why they... considering you, apparently you can't turn off the survival mechanics. They're, like, locked into the game. Uh, yeah, from my understanding, I don't think you can. They might get patched out at some point. Uh, I can definitely understand it because it makes the open world a lot more visceral and lived in. Like, I like survival mechanics. And, yeah, it does make the front end of the game a little denser, but I can definitely imagine this paying off. Like, once I really get my head around all these survival mechanics and all of this sort of, like, fiddly gameplay stuff... 
I can imagine that will make my connection to the environments and the nature that I'm traversing through a lot more real. Like, it makes, I, I like it that when I go through the snow, I have to put warm clothes on. Like, that just seems like a no-brainer, but most games, it don't matter what you're wearing. You can just prance naked through a frozen stream and you're fine. But in this, that will negatively affect your health. And things like that make the give a weight to the open world that is missing from a lot of stuff. And yeah, it does take a little bit of getting used to, but I think in the long run, it is going to make a more enjoyable experience. It's just going to be harder to get into. See, I quite like this as a concept because the the one thing that annoys me the most about sequels is taking your your original characters and just like you know forcing them into a new storyline or like the same game just rehashed. So I quite like that they're taking what they knew was good and adding new elements to it, making it a bit fresher. You know? Yeah, exactly. They've 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 taken all the things that worked and they've upscaled them to like to you know they've dialed they've turned the Red Dead dial to eleven, gang. This fam, it's going off. All right. In which case, I'm going to have to steal and borrow that off you um, when you're not looking. <laughs> Claudia, what's uh, what have you seen this week? Um, okay, so I'm on a little bit of a nostalgia buzz right now, and I've just seen that um, last month Sony announced that they're going to re-release the PlayStation Classic. It's going to be about forty five percent smaller than the original one, um, and in the last couple hours they've released the, the list of the first 20 games they're going to release on it um, and some of them I know and love some of them I, I don't know I just want to list a couple of my yeah, favorites yeah. Okay, let's go no, let's, can we, no just go do can you want you all of them just okay. rattle off that whole list and, and we can just dive in we get give excited. me a yay or nay okay mm. Battle Arena Toshinden mm, yeah uh, no. cool, cool Borders 2 uh, 100% they yes. totally snubbed Cool Borders yeah. 1 uh, Destruction Derby yes no Final Fantasy VII? Absolutely. Without all fail, the yes. Final Fantasy. That is, you can just stop right there. I'll just buy, I'll buy the console <laughs> just to play Final Fantasy VII on an original PlayStation. Uh, Grand Theft Auto. Original, the original Grand Theft Auto? Literally never played it. Would yes. be very interesting ah. too. Okay. Yes, I've played it and I've loved it. Well, okay. Intelligent Cube? I have no idea, but yes, please. <laughs> no. It's a wonderful what? title. <laughs> it's Cube with a Q as well. Q-U-B-E. Oh, okay, definitely so cool. no. Definitely no. <laughs> Jumping Flash. With I, an exclamation mark on the end. Man, titles were more fun back they in the day. They were. Um, what, hold on. What do you think Jumping Flash is about? I'm um, assuming it's just uh, one of those jump up and down, like the, you know, the, the, the world moves below you and you have to stay on a platform. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just imagining it was like the first person in the world to figure out a double jump mechanic and then having a cool animation, and that's it. The entire game has been like, hey, fam, you could jump twice. <laughs> Metal Gear Solid. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Yes, the one, the game that made you f- live your dream of hiding in a box. Oh, my God, that's such a good game. Yeah, um, this is going to be so much fun. Mr. Driller? I don't, I, I think, I feel like that title is very literal. Yeah. Right? Yeah. This is the one I'm quite excited about, Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. Yes. Oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, please. That Sorry. was so good. I swear I slipped out, team. Rayman, also oh, excited. Yes, Ray- yeah. Oh, my God, yes. Resident Evil Director's Cut. Interesting. Not okay. Resident Evil 2. Uh, yeah, I think it would be Resident Evil 2. Well, I think that they're probably, because they're remaking Resident Evil 2, right? So I feel like they're probably, they're, they're, they're saving that special source for the re-release. Revelations Persona? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Ridge Racer Type 4. Oh, my God, yes. No. Oh, shut up, Arnon. You shut up. God, your heart's so dead. I'm not. A f- I'm not just not a fan of racing games. Yeah, no, I, neither am I, but Ridge Racer, that's not even a racing game. That's just a racing experience. See, I don't know this next one, but it sounds like a bunch of words they've thrown pins at and just, you know, put them all together. 
Super Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Oh, that's so good. Whatever yeah, that, that game that, is. That's just people in a boardroom being like, hey, what <laughs> yeah. are the kids into, guys? Get some buzzwords. <laughs> okay. them in. Hold on. Before you continue, how many more left on this list? Uh, there's only five more. Okay. There is one game I'm desperately hoping to hear on here. So, uh, Fingers crossed. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, yeah say, well, what, is the, what is the game that you have to have on this list uh, if, if it comes? Tommy. T O M B I. It's the one where you played as the as the kid the kid with the with the fiery hair and you had to defeat all the evil pigs. It was a game that you can't find anywhere else. I only ever found a, a demo version of it, and you can never buy it anywhere in this country. And I wanted it so bad, but I could never track it down. And they never re-released it on on the PS2. It was never released anywhere. Oh, based on Claudia's face, I don't think you can be happy. Oh. See, I'm I'm just gonna swing for the fence and say Final Fantasy VIII, double Final Fantasy X. Let's do no. it. If they're gonna put a Final Fantasy on this, it's gonna be Final Fantasy Nine, not no, Final Fantasy VIII. Final Fantasy VIII. I love my sad anime boy, oh uh, Squall. I love you so much. Okay, here, here's the last five. Okay, right. Excitement, whether or not. You know, here we go. Siphon filter. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I forgot siphon filter wow. existed until right now. <laughs> this very and, moment. Oh, my God. Cool, I want to play that. This was one of my favorite ones as a kid, Tekken 3. Oh, you're very yes. good, Tekken. Yes. I was yep. a button masher. I don't know about you guys, oh, but God, I just course, sat there and Of course mashed. you were. I constantly tried to learn all the combos and memorize them. The, I big, also, the big long chains. I was terrible at fighting games, but I lost with honor. I was not a button <laughs> I didn't. I, I won with <laughs> disgrace, and if I didn't win, I rage quit. <laughs> okay, well, that's... Oh, God, you're a terrible person. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, you're an average Tekken player. Okay, Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Oh, interesting, yes. Yeah, yeah, okay. Those I've enjoyed all of those games. That's perfect, yep. Twisted Metal. Oh, oh yes. yeah. Oh, my God. See, okay, how can you have Destruction Derby and this in the same on the same console? That's people, too much. People, people love broken cars, man, but, all right? But no, how do they even compare? Twisted Metal is infinitely better than yeah, Destruction no, Derby. No, I, 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 no, no, no argument from me, but people love smashing cars. Okay. Uh, PlayStation, PlayStation 1. And this is the final one on the list. It's make or break on, right now, fantasy, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wild Arms. Oh, actually, what? yeah, I'm down on that. Which uh, one's Wild uh, Arms? Uh, Wild Arms is um, JRPG nonsense, but it's good. From that list, uh, Finn, uh, happy, disappointed? Um, fine. I don't know if I'll buy one this year. I might wait till the price drops a little bit. What's the price on it? It's like 150 bucks. Uh, about 99 US. 99 US, so about 140. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've played a lot of those games a lot. So, I mean, I think the novelty factor is going to be good. But also that control because it's a it's a classic controller, right? It's not yeah. a DualShock. Yeah, uh, I, I mean I'm excited. I'm glad they're doing it. It's going to sell a lot, and I do like the nostalgia buzz people are on right now. Don't know if I'll buy it. You know, at least straight out the gate. See, I would if Tombi was on it, or if uh, Reboot was on it, I'd be buying it right now. But because neither are there, I've got mo- the games on that list. I like, I have, and I've played, and I still own, and I still have a <laughs> PS2 that works. So. I'm I'm okay, so I don't think I need it. Yeah, I think they've also kind of comfortably covered a wide range of things that you're gonna. Everyone's gonna have one thing on there that they love. All right, so for me in the news, um, this one is a slightly older story, but basketball legend LeBron James may be resurrecting the Friday the Thirteenth movie franchise. Happy Halloween, everybody! <laughs> this is what you've been waiting uh, for. <laughs> Spring Hill uh, Entertainment, um, Spring Hill Entertainment, his production company, um, is in talks right now to acquire the um, the rights to it. So you know there are no, there's no writer, no director, no cast, no details, no nothing about this yet. But he's getting it. When he should, let's be clear, should 100% be working on Space Jam instead of this. Oh my there's god, no, yes. There is no reason he should be working on anything but Space Jam he right now. He should not be playing basketball. And it makes me incredibly upset. Like, what, Michael Jordan took time off to make Space Jam. Did he? I'm pretty sure, it's like a documentary, well, I don't th- right? I don't think he was it's literally a, playing basketball a, while docu- making Space Jam. It's, so a docu- really- it's a docudrama, right? 
I'm too busy thinking about LeBron James making Final, Fa- Final, Friday, Final Fantasy <laughs> Jesus, uh, Friday the 13th, because is he in it or is he directing it or is he His production producing? company, just as production company's making it. See, in my mind, it's Friday the 13th, but as Space Jam. So it's the Looney Tunes, but in a horror film. Oh, God, that's terrifying. Oh, I'm down but on like that. But like one yeah. real life basketballer just Maybe hanging out. Maybe this is it. Maybe that's the crossover. Maybe <laughs> That's try- why we don't know anything yet. Let's be honest. The last few Friday the 13th were terrible. The rights can't be that expensive. So get the rights to that and then merge the two projects. Space Jam 2, Friday the 13th Spooktacular. So what you're thinking is he's buying the rights to this so that Jason can be part of a... Uh part of this. Yeah, instead of, oh my god, so instead of the monsters, the monsters are all just like, it's like Jason, it's Freddy Krueger, it's all of the, <laughs> all all of the, of the great guys. Uh, Michael Myers, it's all the great horror icons versus the Looney Tunes in a basketball match. Tell me you would have watched that. <laughs> okay, a better question. Who's on that team? It. So, yeah, okay, <laughs> pen, yeah, Pennywise, Ovs, um, Alien, why not? They, I think they, and Predator. Predator would be mad at basketball. Uh, you clearly got to have uh, Freddy and Jason. Um, I think I think you've got to make a strong case for um, the saw doll. Yes. Oh, the jigsaw? No, I, no, jigsaw. I prefer jigsaw, the man with cancer. Like, I feel <laughs> no, like no, it. the doll. I think the doll. Screw the cancer. <laughs> I, want the, I want the doll in there. Can we throw the Babadook in there as well? Oh, Babadook would be great at basketball. <laughs> you know he slams the dunks. And I think uh, Slender Man off the bench. Oh, mm-hmm. Slender Man off the bench. I feel like Slender Man just isn't a team player, though. I feel like all those wrestler guys, they huddle, like, and they hustle. They've got a good Hold team. On. All of those others are team players? <laughs> yeah. Based on what evidence? 100%. I just think, I, I've seen Freddie versus Jason. They had chemistry. Like, <laughs> I just think Slender Man, that man's got no face. Like, he hasn't taken court direction at all. That's, yeah. a, that's, a, that's a good point. Okay, here's a question. Uh, who wins? Okay, who wins? Do you th- do you think LeBron and whoever he signs up with him, uh, all wins, or do you think do you think the, the the new monsters win? I think based on purely team chemistry, I think LeBron and Co will win. I feel like there will be this massive discourse between you know who's the most evil out of the other team, and they'll just make it all about themselves. No, see, I think in this gritty new world uh, of you know, in this Nolan era of films, I think they're going to be like, <laughs> no team, the Looney Tunes are going to lose, and some of them are going to die. <laughs> And it's uh, going to be gritty, and it's going to be real, and it's going to get all the Oscars. If you uh, if you have a particular opinion on who you think should make that team that we've missed, make sure you look up uh, News Hub uh, podcasts on Facebook and join the discussion there under the episode, because I'd really be interested if we missed any any all-star picks that we've missed for the new version of the Monstars. Uh, anyway, now that uh, I guess now that we're through with the news, there's something obvious that we should be doing now. So every week we set each other some homework, forcing the others to consume media against their will. So we may bend them to our way of thinking. And now we get to argue about all of that. So let's start with Claudia, the homework you set last week. So mine was an anime movie called Summer Wars. It's basically set in a version of modern day Japan where um, their lives are basically integrated into this system called Oz, where you make your own little character, you use it for everything. So doctor's appointments, you can use it for gaming, you can use it for, you know, bills. You you can have your whole business on there as well. So it's this fully integrated world um, outside of the real world. Um, the storyline, it kind of runs two concurrent storylines, more or less. One of them is the, the classic, you know, going to grandma's house for her birthday, big family reunion at the, at the old shrine. And the other one is this... Um, drama in in Oz where a AI takes over and just destroys everything. Um, I found on my first watch I really really liked it. Second watch still really liked it, but 
it felt like I liked the concept more than the execution, but it was quite cool because they, you know, you go into Oz, you kind of get to see how it runs, you see how everyone's personas are done. Um, the the AI I found, his name is Love Machine, which I find super know, sexy, super sexy. Yeah, um, but I I think I don't know the character design I really liked the story I I liked I didn't love, um, but I I wanted to see what you guys thought. Uh, yeah, this was a real interesting one for me. Like about ten minutes, because I was messaging Claudia while I was watching this, and I was just like, ten minutes when, the, the, like you said, the character design's awesome. So some when the opening credits were rolling, I was like, mm. I am so amped for this movie. There's a rabbit punching things, and yep. he looks so dope. Uh, but then by the end. It's the concurrent story thing. I think it boils down to there are two stories going on, and they never really mesh adequately in ways. Like there's this crisis going on in Oz. So this in this world, everyone does everything on Oz. It's the internet, but it's a, it's 3D. It's virtual reality internet. And at one point in the movie, it's collapsed. So just spoiler warning here, I'm going to start talking about things near the end of the movie. The entire internet is collapsing due to this AI. The world is pretty much coming to a standstill. Except it's not. Everything in the internet is broken, and a satellite is falling out of the sky to possibly land on a nuclear reactor. And then it cuts away, and people are just, like, playing baseball and having dinner. And, like, the only people really stressing about it is the, are the main characters and their family. There's this weird disconnect between the high drama of what's happening in Oz and this weird domestic storyline that they're having. And the domestic storyline's actually fine. Like, the characters are well-written. It's this kind of, you know... Boy, boy meets girl, little romance storyline happening, and all of the domestic troubles with this extended family, and rada 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 rada. That whole storyline was fine, but it never really adequately meshed the two storylines. I think you're right; they didn't quite get there. But I, I think the attempt that they went for was showing just how ingrained the world of Oz is to the real world, and giving kind of a, a, an actual human casualty to it. But did they, though? Because They tried really hard, but yeah. I don't know if they quite got there in the end. But I think that's what they were attempting. And also, I just didn't know enough about the internal logic of Oz. Like, I, with these kind of shows, you know, like the Sword Art Unlines and the, you know, living in a game sort of storylines, what makes them cool is when they explain the laws of this game, of this virtual world, and then they adhere to those rules. But at no point in Oz do you learn what it is to live in that world or how, how does it work? how do you fight people in that are you just mashing keys like do you have stats like do you have abilities or like when you take punches does your health go away or like what kind of there is no internal logic to the world that was consistent that was actually one of the funniest things I found watching it is when they go and they show you inside Oz and their characters are fighting you know they're breathing really heavy everything's really tense but it's like imagine what this looks like in real life like you take a step back they're actually just sitting there on their phone, mashing buttons. Yeah, you know? and it did. Yeah, exactly. There was just no internal logic to the world that I could ascertain, and so therefore it really broke my immersion with it because I was just like, this world doesn't really just make any sense. Things just happen in this world to suit the narrative, but they don't adhere to any of the rules that they've established because they haven't really established any rules. I got mad watching this thing. <laughs> That's got, what we want. I got I got real angry because so. Like like you guys said, there's this giant rabbit that punches things. Amazing. Big fan of it. There is a and there's this AI called Love Machine. Amazing name. And they get into this awesome fight. And then I'm stuck watching this thing about grandma's house. Like it's it, there's a movie I wanna see and this movie keeps standing up in the theater and getting in the way. It's it's 
It's so infuriating because I can see the movie I want to watch. I want to watch the story of Oz. I want to see how it's integrated. If they barely touched on what was happening in the real world, I'd be over the moon. If they just had like moments where you randomly would cut to the person who were like with no context at all, just saying, oh, yeah, just, you know, this is a real person who's playing this character. Great. That's literally all I need. Or like if a character died in, in Oz, it would cut to the person going, oh, being upset at their computer. That would be enough for me. Um, as far as that, because the story in Oz, infinitely more interesting than anything that was happening at Grandma's house. I don't give a crap about what was happening at Grandma's house. <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. It was, it was in the way. There was this whole scene about this guy carrying the ice cubes away from the computer and putting them around around, around Grandma. <laughs> that is cool. such a out weird sentence, out of context. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that's li- there's literally more time dedicated to that. There's this massive fight going on at the same time, and they're trying to trap the AI that's ruining the entire internet. That got way less time than this Ice Cube subplot. And, and how do they solve one of the big conflicts in, in, in this movie? What makes narrative sense based on everything we've said out loud? I know, some sort of card game. Let's use a card game to solve this problem. A card game that, let's be clear, was never played in Oz before this moment is referenced to solve, to basically end everything and save the day. They, they gamble for the solution. I'm This story upset me so much because there was a good story in there that I didn't get to watch. With the card game, I think it's they were trying to show f- that technology is not perfect. So they defeated this amazing technological beast with literally cards. I, it, it did, the, the card game looked dope. Like it was uh, that that last sort of fight battle between um, what's her name Nat, Natsumi. Right, right, right. Main female character versus Love Machine. And, but they never explained the rules of that game. So unless you were Japanese and had played that traditional card game, you were just like, okay, is she winning? I don't know. Koi, koi, <laughs> koi, koi, koi. koi, koi, koi. <laughs> so you've got no skin in the game in that final conflict because you literally don't know what's happening. You just have to take their word for it. And also, it was like the ultimate Deus Ex Machina at the end of that battle because at one point they're gambling with everyone's avatars. So basically, they, they, she's played. She challenges Love machine to a final duel for, for essentially the souls of everyone on earth basically and it's at that point where she's run out of chips or souls of people that she can bet against love machine that everyone else in the world remembers what's going on and shows up to this battle like because up until that point most people have been subsumed into this love machine ai but there should be hundreds of millions of other people in this internet kind of you know world but there's just no one around up until this moment where they go, oh, what? The world's ending. Okay, we should all show up now. And then literally hundreds of millions of people just appear in this world. I'm like, where were you guys? What were you doing while the world was ending all around you? So, yeah, I, I thought that was kind of garbage. All right, Finn, uh, recommend, not recommend. What would you would you tell people to watch it? Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm making a lot of angry noises, but it is, still <laughs> a, it is still a fun. It's really, really beautifully animated. There's some really cool fights, and there's a, there, there was a lot of cool, cute moments in it. I just didn't think the whole thing came together. If I could uh, find a YouTube version that was just cut together the bits with the punching rabbit, I would watch that movie. I'd watch the crap out of that movie. But otherwise, I probably will never come back to this again. Fair points. I think I will keep it on my list, but I won't hurry to watch it again. All right, my homework this week that I set for you guys was to sit and play a card game called Dominion. Um, So it is a deck-building game. The idea is all the players, so the three of us play together. All of us start with ten cards, all are pretty rubbish, and through the game you purchase cards that you get to add to your deck. And the idea is to buy the cards you buy can affect other people and stop them from getting points and the point the, the the whole goal of the game is you need to get enough points into your deck 
um, and the person who gets the most points at, when the game is finished, uh, at the end of the game, sorry, you you open up your deck, you count all the points, cards worth points you have in your deck, and whoever has the most wins. It's a very straightforward sort of game once you've played it. Um, and the thing I love most about this game is that it's, um, it, it rides a real good balance between random chance and strategy because your strategy informs the chances you will get. Whereas uh, when I look at some other games, games that are not nearly as well designed, um, everything that happens is based on chance. Therefore, there's not a lot of agency. The choices you get to make realistically never matter. Whereas in this game, just about every card you buy affects everything that's going on. Um, and I think this game is like a far better designed game. They say something like a Settlers of Catan or a Ooh, Monopoly. Fired, I think that, and I think this is a way better game than Monopoly because I think Monopoly is realistically, it's fully random. There's almost nothing, you have almost no strategy to the way you play that game. Whereas this game, if you, you know, your your strategy affects everything. And I, and, and one of the things that is so strong about it is you can play multiple different strategies. Like we played a game, all three of us picked a different strategy on the two games we played and both games were super close. Um, we both did very different. We all did very different things, and it was, it was every every method was viable. Um, yeah, I had a really good time playing. It's got a cool uh, medieval aesthetic, like you're essentially playing, you know, like a feudal lord, and you're trying to buy like marketplaces and towns and uh, moats and castles and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's cool. It, it, what I liked about it was that it's kind of like. You really have to be thinking 10 turns ahead, and it's like, well, do I buy... So, so the things that you need to win the game are useless to you while you're playing the game, which is an interesting conceit. So every turn you can choose to buy certain things, and they, some things will help you right now but won't help you later. But the things you need to buy are provinces, really expensive cards that you can purchase with your currency. But they're effectively dead they're weight dead through weight. the whole game. If you buy them, they can do nothing for you, and they're really costly. And they you, get in the way. And they get in the way, uh, but... They're, like, they're just dead weight until the end where they become crucial, which is just a nice, interesting conceit. But, yeah, I mean, I judge my enjoyment of games like this based on how likely I think it is that it will end my friendships. <laughs> and I definitely hated both of you more by the end of that second game. <laughs> Fantastic. So I'd rate this, like, four out of five friend tiers. Oh, okay. So what, what is a four out of five? You you didn't want to kill us, but we but we definitely were not as stronger friends when we started? Oh, we, we, yeah, we've definitely lost a lot of stages in our friendship. Okay. Let's just say you're not coming to the wedding anymore. Okay, okay, good to know. Uh, okay, so on that... On, on that uh, definition of does the game succeed, Claudia, how do you rate this? Did you hate us at the end of it? I'm, I I didn't like you at the end of it because I didn't win, but I rate my games based on how easy it is for me to pick them up. Because sometimes when people try to explain things to me, I'm just sitting there like staring with mouth open like I have no idea. Just, just teach me as we go. This one, first time you explained it, didn't get it. When we actually started playing it, you pick it up so fast. And it's really cool because you do get to make your own choice about how you play it. So, like you said, every round we did was different. And I can think of like a couple other ways that I could strategize and try to win in, in different different rounds, play them completely differently every time, but still based on the same level of play, you know? So there's heaps and heaps of cards, but once you pick it up, it's really easy. And because of that, I, I rate it quite highly, and I definitely would play it again. Cool. I tend to rate my board games. It's good. We all have a different way of, of judging whether a game succeeds or not. For me, it tends to be... Uh, is there a lot of different viable strategies you can use? So, you know, there's a number of games like Tic-Tac-Toe. There's one way to play. There's one way to win, and that's generally about it. Um, so that is 
is is is a is a terrible game to me. Whereas a game where you have a lot of we have a lot of choice, where the choices you make, a lot of different strategies are all viable ways to win, and. It's kind of like, you know, uh, option A beats B, B beats C, but C is stronger than D and D is stronger than A. And kind of like it makes everything kind of, you have to weigh up what you're doing at a different time. Um, so I this is probably one of my favorite games I've ever played um, because it is one of those games you can sit down and play with anybody, like you say, really fast to teach them. But it's hands down one of my favorite games. So I'm glad you guys enjoyed it and we'll play it again. All right. So we're going to get to the last one, Finn. And before we start... I said, God damn, yes, we do. Yeah, Happy want, Halloween, too. The, re- the reason I wanted to make sure we did, we got through Dominion pretty quick is because I want to get into this one. Now, uh, there are gonna we're going to talk about this first with no spoilers, and then we will make it really clear when we get into spoiler territory. So, Finn, take it away. Okay, so I forced these two to experience the game Doki Doki Literature Club, which is a visual novel that developed for free. You can get it on Steam right now, and I cannot recommend it enough it is a horror game dressed up as a japanese dating sim light novel a visual novel so it's you start for about three hours of this game you're going to start out and there's just going to be these all the normal anime trappings so there's going to be these beautiful schoolgirls, uh, and you've got to decide between them which one of them you're going to romantically pursue in their literature club so you're going to be writing poems with them having wonderful conversations rada 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 uh, and about three hours in it's going to take a turn on you and it's going to turn hard. And from there, it's going to start dialing up into horror territory that I've probably never experienced uh, in any other kind of medium. And by the end, I was terrified to turn off my computer. Okay, I'm going to say once the horror started kicking in, I got really into it. It was very cool. It was like because you have that set up in the beginning, you get quite comfortable. My one issue with it, Maybe not my one issue with it. My biggest issue with it <laughs> is, like you said, it takes about three hours to get there. So it, it feels like instead of just giving you enough of this, like you know, writing poetry, I'm trying to like I'm trying to hit on this girl. I want I want to date this one. Oh, do I want to date that one? I don't know. You get comfortable, but then you keep going. You know, I feel like maybe an hour, even an hour and a half, would have been enough to set it up and be like, cool, this is a nice little world. Oh, shock. But instead, it just felt like it, it dragged on a lot in the beginning. It did, I think it gave enough payoff at the end, but the beginning was very slow. See, I argue the other way. I don't think, I, I really did enjoy it once once the turn happened, but I think the lead up, the build up was too long. I lost interest way too many times. Um, I started, and there, and there wasn't enough gameplay in that first part of the game to keep me engaged with it. So I very quickly turned off and was, all you're really doing is pressing enter to, to read to the next screen. The choices you make are 100% superficial. They have no, like what we said last week about how Telltale's art was to, is to, is to hide and mask where your choices are to make you feel like your choices matter even when they don't. This game made me feel like my choices didn't matter even whether they did or not. I never felt like any of them mattered and none of them um, paid off for me. Doki Doki Literature Club gives you choices, but they don't they, they don't mean anything. But that's kind of, I think that's really intentional because they're bouncing off the medium. They're, they're, they're delivering those scares being like, hey, most games give you choice. We are taking that away from you. You don't play this game. This game plays you. Uh, so if, if that sounds like a bit of you, definitely go download and play it. It's one of the most unique horror experiences I've ever had. Uh, and so 
Right, Just quick... start playing it right now. Okay, I'll play a jingle so you can pause this while you play. And we're back. We're in Spoiler Town now. Oh, congrats, team. Welcome back. How was that for you? Okay, so what happens is about three hours in, one of the central characters who is your best friend kills herself and it's really graphic you walk into her room and she's hung herself and that's why the start of this game has a warning if you have mental health issues do not play this game and that is very very fair if you if you have any trouble with that sort of stuff do not play this it's not a game for you it is really dark she dies and then the game twists resets and then the game starts over but she just doesn't exist anymore and all the other characters are acting pretty much the same but their dialogue starts warping a little bit they start acting a little bit more strangely and then it dials up from there and so i just wondering what did you guys think i thought it was real interesting and i thought that once once the turn happened i loved that um so there's these four girls that the reason everything is going wrong is that one of them is is the villain and i love that i love i thought that was a fantastic twist that one of the characters is aware that you're a user in the game that you're playing a game they're constantly they're the one trying to reach out of the game to get you and to kind of like um like to to woo you and they're wiping out the competition so much and the thing i thought was really interesting and really really good horror for me was that it's a reveal that this character is what has been pushing all the other girls over the edge into their mental health problems. I think the horror itself was good. I just don't think it was a very good game. I there wasn't a lot to play. There wasn't a lot of choice to make. So it didn't. It wasn't fun. Yeah, but that's. I feel like that was very intentional. Like particularly by the end when they're breaking the fourth wall. So the president of like uh, I'm saying the president of the Doki Doki Literature Club, Monica. It slowly gets revealed that she is aware she's in the game. She's aware you are a player, and she is con- manipulating everything that's happening in the game to get, deliver these really weird game-breaking scares. Like, and some of those, some of those scares, like it'll do things in the game directory. If you open the folder, the names of files in the game directory will start changing to like, "Help me, can you hear me?" Things like that, and they, they'll the scares go outside of the game itself, like. And I mean, there's what there's there's a great there's a, and I think that I think this is so intentional because there's one of those bits where you click between do you want to go on a date with this character this character this character at a certain point in the game it'll give you that option but all the options are gone and it says just Monica and it will drag your mouse towards it and you can try keep your mouse away as long as you can but the the screen will just start zooming in on the button and force you over until you click just Monica so things like that they're re- they're very ironically and intentionally taking away your choices. They were quite clever looking back now with the way that they made their characters. Because I think I said to you, Finn, about halfway through, they gave me the choice of, you know, the best friend, the the pink one and the purple one. But they were all such, like, character stereotypes that I was like, you know, she's insecure, she's the little kid who likes cute stuff, and, you know, she's the best friend. And I was like, I just want I just want Monica. But they wouldn't give me that choice. And I remember saying that to you halfway through and you're like, yeah, you know, good old Monica. And I was like, yeah, no, shame I can't get her. And then, you know, by the end of it, you're like, I don't want her. I don't want that anymore. They want you to want Monica. That's the whole point. She seemed seemed like the only normal person. And that's what I love about it as well is like all the scares that you get in Doki Doki Literature Club. Uh, could only exist in a video game. Like, that does wouldn't make a good anime. That wouldn't make a good movie. That wouldn't make a good book. It, I like I like horror that utilizes the med- the things about the medium that make it unique, and that all of the horror in that could only exist in a video game. It's a really uniquely video game experience. Agreed. But the, 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 I keep coming back to, like, I wish there was a little bit more game in the front half of that, because I felt like I spent the, the first half of that game... Um, 
sitting there and just bored out of my mind. And you need to get more into the waifus, bro. Oh, I think <laughs> if it was, and I mean, I get that I was trying to set up an expectation, but it could have set an expectation without boring me. And that's the real problem that you run into. Well, you should have been more into dating those girls because I definitely was. I was like, I get the best of both worlds. Fun horror experience and some very strong waifus. So, Okay, so before we set our homework for next week, what, what anything else happening in, in Nerdland that you guys have been doing? Um, being Halloween, I just binge-watched Haunting of Hill House, and I definitely would recommend that. It's... It's getting, there's a lot of dumb headlines around being like, it's so scary, it made me vomit, blah, 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 blah. That's Did you just, vomit at no, any point? That's garbage entertainment journalism. Like, that's just easy headlines. Every time anything comes out in the horror realm, if there'll just be these ridiculously overhyped headlines just for clickbait, like, this is the scariest thing that's ever appeared on human television. Um, it, but it's very good. It's a really, it's not actually that horrific. It's more of a family drama with a haunted house as the backdrop. It just follows a family. They lived in a haunted house. Stuff went down. And then it follows the children that lived in that haunted house now as adults and showing how they all dealt with that experience, uh, that supernatural experience. So one of them's become a drug addict. One of them's become manic depressive. One of them never saw a ghost and is really furious about that. And it's like <laughs> become this that. really bitter writer. Uh, and the, each episode follows one of the children with cut inter- interspersed with flashbacks showing what exactly happened in the haunted house it's really good i haven't seen a really well done haunted house story in a long time uh so yeah i really would recommend it and it's still got some good scares in it but it's more a drama with horror backdrop well i've been playing uh the new ps4 spider-man and at the moment i feel like it is my favorite game that i've played in the last at least year it's just because I loved the first Spider-Man back in the day so much, and it's basically unplayable now because the characters are just like little little cubes with faces. So the new ones come out. I finally got it at at home, um, and I played probably six hours straight. And I I just love swinging through buildings. Is that what they've nailed? Because that's all I really yeah. care about. Does it feel? Because that PlayStation Two one was so successful because the swing mechanic was so well nailed yeah. that you just felt that sense of motion swinging between the buildings, and all that was that was it. That was it. Yeah, the rest of the game that, can be garbage. If they nail that mechanic, I will play it. I think they nailed it. They, what I do like is they, they've t- taken a, a smidge of realism out of it. So if you hit a building, you don't get crushed. If you hit the ground, you're, you know, there's no fall damage or anything. So you do get to just kind of go to the top of the Empire State Building and dive off if you want to and totally you'll be fine. fine. With that. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Um, I, I love it as well because there's heaps of collectibles. There's heaps of little side missions. You can just walk through the street and find little missions just throughout and you don't have to follow the main storyline if you don't want to but there is the nice payoff that if you do follow it you unlock extra things that's cool um i've been uh playing uh no man's sky which i got a long time ago <laughs> i got a long time ago when it first came out because i was about the hype train very, victims, yeah, the ultimate victim of the exactly, hype train exactly which i was very very um excited to play um and it i enjoyed it um but it was there was it's a game with no goals the fully procedurally generated, uh, over-promised at launch, and I would say under-delivered at, at launch. Well, absolutely they've, under-delivered. But they've now but... released, um, they've released uh, a number of free, expan- uh, of free uh, DLC and expansions for the game in order to start delivering on those promises. And you know what? Uh, the version now, I think it's called uh, No Man's Sky Next, it's um it's i've been in i've I've just downloaded it this week again and I've been enjoying it 
Uh, today, we are recording on Halloween. So, uh, Finn had the wonderful idea of let's make all of our homework for next week spooky. So, Finn, do you want to go first? Oh, hell yeah. So, I went some places on the internet this week, team, and I saw some things, so you didn't have to, and now I'm going to force feed you one of them. Oh, God. Um, so, I'm a coward, so I really appreciate you doing this to me. Mm, 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 mm. You know, I love spooking you on it. Uh, so, this one's, in all honesty, this is actually something that I, re- this is a writer I really like, Junji Ito, who's a um, Japanese horror mangaka. He is amazing. His 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 art is astonishing. He's probably like the most premier horror manga creator in Japan. And uh, I just want to recommend one of his pieces. It's called The Enigma of Amigara Fault. And it's quite famous. Like it's actually referenced quite a lot in in Western cartoons, just in subtle things in the background. It's it'll take about. 15 minutes to read all of his stories a lot of his stories I should say his most famous ones they're just short single note stories that just drop you straight into the middle of the story the horror happens and then it ends like and he doesn't bother trying to explain where this horror comes from like it's always unknowable kind of cosmic horror which I find the scariest kind when it doesn't try and justify itself it's not like oh you performed the ritual and then the demon came but don't worry you can banish it with his name right, right, right. none of that it's really unknowable so this one is just about there's an earthquake a fault line opens up somewhere in Japan, and then people start noticing that where the ground cracked, there's all these people-shaped holes all through the fault line, and then people start having these weird dreams, and everyone just in the world starts feeling strangely compulsed to go to one of the holes because they find out each of the holes in the fault line match a human being perfectly, and everyone just starts having this overwhelming urge to take all their clothes off and put their bodies into the hole and then slowly get sucked into the fault line. And it's about one person trying to resist that urge as long as he can. I'm already uncomfortable. Mm. Just from that description, like going into caves and stuff, just made me Mm-mm-mm. so uncomfortable. Um, mine is a little bit lighter than yours, surprisingly. <laughs> Uh, This seems to be a common theme. Yeah, you always go very dark and I get to lighten the mood. Um, So mine is a, it's a new Netflix series called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um, Yeah, it's it's based on one of the Archie comics, also called Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So it's made from the same people that did Riverdale. Um, I watched the first episode the other night thinking it was going to be like Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Where which, it was, uh, which was which amazing. It's amazing. And so I was like, great, reboot. But it's I was expecting, you know, just like, you know, Teenage Witch, just doing teenage drama things. But it's actually a lot darker oh, really? than I thought. Yeah. Okay. I was expecting, you know, just a family lifestyle, throw a bit of magic in there. But it's, yeah. It's They've actually, leaned into actual witchcraft and witch, actual occult stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. I'm yet to find out if this series is actually good. I will put that out there. Okay. But the first episode I did really enjoy. And I just want to make you guys watch. If if you want to watch more, watch more. But just watch the first episode, kind of get a feel for it, uh-huh. and go from there. Well, Riverdale's hot garbage, so I'm not excited. Yeah, but. yeah. If if you like Riverdale, maybe you'll like this. If you didn't like Riverdale, maybe this is like the shining light from from the Riverdale universe. Maybe yeah. I, I disagree with your assessment of Riverdale. I we'll get into it. that next week. Right. The homework I'm setting for you guys is to play Darkest Dungeon. Uh, it is a very easy to play um, video game. Is it? Well, <laughs> not. It's not easy. It is just easy to play. Mm. It's a. It's a, you don't have to play it for very long to get the vibe of it. Um, the idea is you're just you're going through dungeons as you have a party. Um, and the thing that it does real interestingly is as the game goes on, they have a mechanic around stress 
and each of your characters will slowly, all of the party members will slowly get these debilitating um, conditions um, that will slow the, which will slowly eat away at them and make them more and more stressed and less and less reliable in combat and want to freak out and just attack their own people. And they may just end up going insane and you can no longer use them anymore. So, and you have to try and build a perfect team while they're slowly, slowly going more and more crazy as they go into the darkest dungeon. Claudia, oh, I need to warn you now, mm-hmm. it is turn based. No. Oh, you're going to have some feelings so about this, Claudia. Gonna, yeah. gonna, so I hate gonna, it already. Oh, well, hey, look, you're. You're going to have to play it first before you get to share your full opinions. If I go in with low standards, maybe I'll love it. Well, there you go. Uh, all right, so that's uh, that's episode two for this week. Finn, if we want to find more from you, where can people find you? Uh, just go News Hub Nation NZ uh, on all the social accounts. That's where I do most of my actual work. Claudia? Uh, you can find us on Radio Live, but also we have another podcast. If you head to radiolive.co.nz, it's called The Control Room. You can find us there. Cool. And um, if you want to get into more of the conversation around this sort of stuff, make sure you uh, look up News Hub Podcasts on Facebook. Uh, you can also find more of News Hub's fantastic podcasts at newshub.co.nz slash podcasts. And a big thank you to Asher Bastian, who made all of the music, and to Maggie Wicks, our producer. This has been Nerds Hub. I'm Arnand Hira. I'm Claudia Sykes. And I'm Finn Hogan. And next week, we'll talk about dragons.